I took the lead. Where's a good station? Somebody's heart. Glorious. Glorious. Amen. Guardians of Grace. What's wrong? Welcome to the Guardians of Grace podcast. Relax. You have found the right place. We're here to serve. Join us. Holding to pure grace. Again. Relax. Join in with us. Listen on. Be blessed. Fenders of Grace. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Guardians of Grace podcast. A special edition, actually, of the Guardians of Grace podcast, because it's the podcast before Easter. And I'm here, not by myself, but I'm sitting across the table from a good buddy, longtime buddy, Grace Guard Dog Steve. The Guard Dog, yeah, ready to do a something about Easter, about the resurrection. It's that time of year. I can't believe the year has gone by so fast. I remember us doing a podcast last year, Easter thing. For some reason, because we introduced it on an odd day, didn't get listened to. So if you get a chance, go back through the podcast catalog, whatever, what's the word for it? Right. And find the Easter one. I think it was just titled Easter Message or something. And it was something about instructions before the cross i think it was titled oh okay okay i tell you they say if you don't title these podcasts just right nobody listens to them that is the title that gets the ball rolling so i hope we title this one really really well i hope we do i hope we get some thought on what we want to do but one go ahead oh i'm i'm thinking of something well, we kind of ended on Hebrews 10. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> Brilliant God. minds think alike. Yes, yes. <laughs> now, if we only knew two brilliant guys to see if this is true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, no, but you, you, were saying, you, you were thinking something about where we ended up last week, kind of yeah, I like support it. or continuation. No, I think we explained the best we could that it's not a bummer. It's not a bummer. It's actually good news. Right. We do not willfully sin. We can't willfully sin because there's no temple to willfully sin in. The writer of Hebrews, whether it's Paul or not, I'm not qualified to make those judgments, but he seems to do this thing, I call it the doctrine of if this bad things happens, but it won't. Or if this bad thing happens, but it doesn't. The if, but it don't. If, but it don't. Maybe we'll title the podcast, If, but it don't. <laughs> if this happens, it would be bad. Right. And that's what it was talking about if last week in the, the podcast. Worst, yeah, if the thing you fear the most actually happens, but it doesn't. And 
that's the good news. The one I was thinking about was if we go on willfully setting there remains no sacrifice, but only a fearful expectation. But you don't. But it. But you don't. You don't. The fearful expectation that you have is not going to happen. It's not going to happen. But and you don't do the willfully sinning either. Says well, the we, book of Hebrews. We showed last podcast how it's actually impossible to do what they were doing in Hebrews 10, willfully sinning, after receiving the knowledge of the truth, after receiving the knowledge and being taught the doctrine of the once and for all sacrifice by the Lamb of God. And that's our Easter message. We're going to do our Easter message right there. And they won't willfully sin. They'll believe the Easter message. Let's do it then. Yeah, yeah. I think the best place to start is where we left off last time. Good deal, good deal. Which was Hebrews 10. Do you have your Bible in front of you? Yes, sir. Tell me what you're thinking about reading first. Let's let's look at the 27. Verse 27. A terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of fire which will consume the adversaries. And read all the way down to verse 31. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much severe the punishment do you think he would deserve, not get, deserve, who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified, meaning he was and is still sanctified because he was sanctified, and he has insulted the spirit of grace. Gee, I don't know how much punishment would we have deserved. How much punishment did you save us from, Jesus? What an insult to go through all. It's insulting the spirit of grace not to believe the Easter message because that is exactly what Hebrews 10 is talking about, the Easter message. But then in verse 32, he changes it. But call to remembrance the former days in which after you were illuminated and you endured a great fight of affliction. So he's, he's reminding them that this opposition about Jesus' once-for-all sacrifice and doing away with the law and the, the sacrifices that were required by the law, namely the one sacrifice of the year the, when the lamb was last, uh, sacrificed on Passover, that Christ our Passover lamb was sacrificed. And he's saying you put up with that for a while, but the pressure just got into you. But he's saying, remember the, he's reminding them to remember the excitement that they had. That, wow, all our sins were put away once and for all. The good news of that. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, call that into remembrance. Yes, call what into remembrance? The fact that Jesus died once for all time. Should we go remember 
the some of the verses? Yeah, let, let me get this okay. whole thought out there, and then we'll we'll go back and put it together piece by piece. Okay. So he's saying in verse thirty three that sometimes you were publicly exposed to taunts and afflictions. At other times, you were you you were companions of those who were treated that way. You, you put up with persecution. Seizure of your property. property they your were property literally was, getting their property taken for believing that once for all time Jesus died. If you believe that, we're taking your property. So you need to renounce that. You need and to go back that. to offers, offering sacrifices, and you need to redo the Passover every year again, which mm-hmm. wasn't. As we saw last podcast was an annual reminder of their sin. And you got to buy our cows and our sheep and our goats and everything from us for your sacrifices because we want to make a lot of money off of it. <laughs> there was literally a monetary. It is a profitable business. Yes, making people feel yes. guilty, but they can get the sacrifice needed to appease the guilt from God, which doesn't exist. Yeah. And. It, so how did they endure that kind of persecution of the seizure of their property and the insults, the public insults and the humiliations publicly, probably having their name blacklisted and having their names read out loud? No good contracts for them. They weren't receiving good job offers or things like that because they weren't sacrificing the way the rest of the Jewish people were sacrificing. They had stopped, and the rest of the people did not want to stop because, naturally, because of the money made in everything, they wanted to keep that system going. They needed to keep that system going. It was their life. Yes. So how did they endure that at first? Well, it says that they gladly accepted that persecution at first it says they they rejoiced that they took their property away when they slapped them in the cheek they turned the other cheek but you you can't do that unless you have something that is described in chapter 12 where jesus says for the joy set before him he endured the cross scorning its shame he went through all that for the joy set before him. There's a joy set before us that will help us, that will get us through whatever trial we have. And it is the joy of knowing what the resurrection of Christ accomplished. It is the joy of knowing that there was a once and for all sacrifice for sin for all time and that sin is not an issue between you and God any Any longer. Any longer. That brings great joy. That brings the kind of enduring joy that that allows you to kick me out of your church. I don't care. You're not taking my joy away. Right. And the minute you give in to anyone that's trying to steal your joy and peace by telling you the finished work of Christ isn't quite so finished that it still needs your part to do it 
and you give up on that revelation of Jesus Christ, the finished work, and the revelation of Jesus himself is my life, I'm not giving in to that. You're not taking my joy. You're not robbing me of my confidence because I am confident that when he said it is finished, you know what that means in the Greek? It is finished. You know what it means in the Hebrew? It is finished. You know what it means in English? It is finished. What does that mean? How do I apply that? It is finished. When he Jesus died on the cross, it was paid in full. That's what it is finished means paid in full for me to go give in to some exercise of writing down all my sins and I did this wrote write down all your sins bill and then turn it over and write first john 1 9 and 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 throw it away well you know what that didn't bring me any peace and it brought me no confidence you know what it brought me a fearful expectation of judgment because I'm 10 weeks in a row and I'm writing down the same sins and doing them over again. But you know what? When I realized that the finished work of Christ and the revelation of Jesus himself, that I live now, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, the, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by the faithfulness of the Son of God and I can depend on that. And his spirit is flowing through me and what my my sin count dropped off the uh <laughs> next to nothing next to nothing i didn't have a long first john 1 9 lift because that never brought me peace that just made me feel guilty and you cannot give into that type of teaching that that teaching it sounds holy it sounds humble it sounds like honorable honorable but it brings about a fearful expectation. That's why the writer of Hebrews keeps saying it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But you're not going to. That's a fearful mentality. He's not telling you this because you're going to. He's telling you this because it's not going to happen. So stop worrying about things that aren't going to happen. That's the confidence you don't want to throw away. <laughs> confidence in the good news that you heard the gospel that will establish you yes amen Steve so when you give in to that you toss your confidence and you confidence is needed for you to endure the persecution get this settled in your mind and have confidence in it when you have confidence in it, it brings you great joy. And by the way, how did Jesus endure the cross? Doesn't it say that in, can you read 12, 1? In Hebrews 12, 1. Therefore, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. That's where our confidence goes. That's what our eyes and are And doesn't he on. say for the joy set before him, he endured the cross? Yes, he did. He endured the cross. Scorning its shame. Despising the shame. And he sat 
down at the right hand of God on the throne, which is exactly what it says in Hebrews when it said he did this for all time and then he sat Sat down down on the throne and we can be confident in that. He took away the sins of the world. He took away the sins of Bill and Steve, and he remembers them no more. And I don't have to go back to a sacrificial system, which is what the writer of Hebrews was battling so hard to see that they didn't go back to. And that's what the writer of Hebrews meant by if you go on willfully sinning, if you go on going back to that, commandment, sacrificial mindset. If you rebuild what you've once destroyed, you prove yourself to be a sinner. It is 116. 116 on the head. Yeah, and he's talking about the law. He's talking about the sacrificial system. Or we can't do that, but boy, we've invented our own penance system. Yes. In the 21st century in the 20th century, 19th and 18th, and all the way back to apparently A.D. 35, 40, or 50, whenever Hebrews was, was yeah, written. and we invented our own merit system, our own way of storing up treasures and everything, instead of giving God the glory, giving Jesus in you the hope of glory. Isn't that what God said? Relax, Abraham. I am your shield and your great reward. It's God in us that is gets us the rewards at the end of time. Doesn't it say in Hebrews 10 it's an abiding gift? It is an abiding possession. A possession of abiding Don't pos- throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. Your confidence, we put no confidence in the flesh. You're not throwing away that confidence. You're throwing away the confidence in Christ. The opposite of putting confidence in your flesh. That's the confidence you don't want to throw away because they can take your possessions. They can. But they can't take Christ from you. They can't take Christ from you. He'll never leave you or forsake you. Just like Jesus said, nobody can pluck them out of my hand. I'll never, no, never leave you. I'll never, no, never forsake you. He's an abiding possession that remains forever. And that's what we put our confidence in. That good news, the good news that all our sins have been taken care of. We put our confidence in Him inside of us, not in us in our own human strength. And that is what Jesus, how Jesus endured it says in 12 2, there you go. for the joy set before him. He was thinking about the outcome of what he was going to accomplish. And apparently, he was so wildly excited about us being his possession and us in him and he in us that he endured unthinkable torture. Unimaginable. You think he went through all that just to say, okay, you can have him back? Yeah, no. No, that's stupid. (laughs) No, no, he did not. Can't think of a theological word there. Yes, no. It says he died once for all time and once for all sin and once for all people. He's not giving any of that back. 
And that is what the warning is in Hebrews 10. It's not that he's going to judge you and because you insulted the spirit of grace. He's saying you insulted the spirit of grace. And even though you insulted the spirit of grace because you slipped up, because you went back to saying just in case it, it's not a once and for all sacrifice, but really it was more that you you didn't want to be persecuted and you didn't want to... You, wanted you were to dig, scared. You were scared and you said, I'll fit in. Yeah. I'll blend in. Right. And I'll, I'll adapt. Yeah, I'll adapt. Although I don't believe in writing all my sins down in First John one nining them, I'll I'll just do it anyway. I won't make waves. I say make waves sometimes. Say I just no, <laughs> not gonna do it. Not gonna do it because doing it takes your joy away. Yes, doing it, doing you, it means you've you just throw away your confidence. You've just tossed your confidence. Yes, that's what that word means. Don't throw away your confidence. It's the same word that's used for casting out demons. Oh. oh. (laughs) You're just saying, confidence be removed. Right. (laughs) Why would you want to do that? You don't. You don't. And guess what? Where are you without confidence and without joy? You're miserable. Yeah. And scared. And a fearful expectation of judgment that's not going to happen even though he he says you have this judgment he says right after that it's not going to happen it's not going to happen is if we're talking about being judged by god as a sinner it's not going to happen and you can be confident in that and you don't want to throw that confidence away because we're not that's what the book of hebrews was telling us and that's how we should tie it into the Easter message showing what Hebrews says Jesus actually did for us I agree let's do that okay here is the Easter message the Easter message is what gives us the confidence that we don't want to throw away so let's look at this Easter message how it's spoken of in in Hebrews 9.12. Here's the gospel, the good news. Hebrews 9.12. He did not enter through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood he entered the holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. Let me just describe what eternal redemption is. Take a line, draw a line, put beginning and end at the ends of that line, then draw a circle around it, and that's eternity. It encompasses all time. Jesus went out of the realm of time, up into eternity to the right hand of God, and shed his blood, and it took care of all the, the sins of all time because time is in eternity, which is where he made his sacrifice. So that really bolsters the idea of once for all time. He took care of it. Then it goes on to say in verse 24, 
Christ did not enter a holy place made with hands, a mere copy of the true one, but Christ went into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Nor it is that he should offer himself often, like the high priests do, but he offered himself once at the consummation of the ages and has been put, so he manifested himself to put away sin at the consummation of the ages. And then it goes on to say, inasmuch as it is appointed for a man to die once after this comes judgment, Christ also offered himself once to bear the sins of the many, and he shall appear a second time for salvation without reference to sin. That is the Easter message, what Jesus did. He died and shed his blood. Without blood, there is no forgiveness of sin, Hebrews 9.22. Without the blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. And he shed his blood. That's the Easter message. Can you read that again? In 9.26, there's an appearance in heaven? Yes. The throne of God? Yes. Okay, so it says what in... 28? 26. Okay, 26. He would have needed to suffer often, but he suffered once at the consummation of the ages... He manifested himself to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. That is that word, phaneru, rendered apparent. He was rendered apparent in the heaven itself, presented his own blood, and achieved eternal redemption. Which included everyone. Bought back. Bought back. Everyone. Yes. Okay, then, so now he appears a second time in 928? Yeah. Okay, well, can you read that one? Sure. So, for Christ also, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, shall appear a second time for salvation without reference to sin to those who eagerly await him. So the second time... He appears to us. It uses that word, appears, but it's the word optimi. And it to really... To make optical. To make optical. It, it has to do with the way we see things. So this is a personal presentation of the finished work of Christ that comes to us. We see it a different way. We don't see it as an annual reminder of sins anymore. We see the sacrifice of Jesus on Passover, which we celebrate Easter. We see it as a once-for-all sacrifice, paid in full, everyone's sin, past, present, and future. This time he appears to us. The second time, it's without reference to sin. Sin is not referenced anymore. It's out of the equation. It's out of the he equation. Took it away the sin of the world. Does that not bring you joy? Oh, 
is the most awesome news. Does it not bring you confidence? Yes. Why would you throw away your confidence and throw away your joy? That's the Easter message. That's the Easter message. Be continually rejoice. Don't throw rejoice. away the Easter message. No, it, it, because it says it has great reward. Yes. It, it's saying they may take away all your possessions in Hebrews 10, but they can't take this reward away. This great reward is your confidence. This great reward is your joy. This great this confidence and this joy allows you to go endure anything that life might throw at you. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Oh my to gosh. endure. The to joy endure. Of, the, of the Lord is your strength. Yeah. That was said to people who were being persecuted. Yes. And isn't the joy of the Lord a fruit of the Spirit? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, faithfulness. The fruit of the Spirit. You do not want to throw away the fruit of the Spirit because that's what allows you to live the Christian life. Against such things there is no law. No. Nobody dislikes you when you're manifesting those attributes. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. Nobody is bothered by that. There is no law against that. Nobody makes a law against though you showing people kindness and love and joy. It's a good thing. It's fruit that tastes good. That's what Jesus meant when he said, you'll know them by their fruits. If they don't bear fruit that tastes good, then they might be bearing pharisaical fruit, fruit that makes you feel condemned, trying to spur you on to better deeds by condemning you and making you feel bad. That'll make you do better. That system did not work. The old pharmaceutical fruit. Pharmaceutical fruit. A.K.A. sour grapes. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. I didn't see that one coming. So, so the writer of Hebrews says he will optimize a second time. Didn't Jesus say that the eye is the lamp of the body? Yes. And if your eye is single? Yes. Your whole body is full of light? Yes. And it was that word pleco, which yes. means twined together. If we see ourselves wrapped up in the finished work of Christ and twined together with his life, his death, his burial, well, his death, burial, and resurrection, then we also see ourselves entwined with his life. I and no longer live, but Christ, Christ lives in me. And we're bearing fruit of the Spirit because we're entwined on the vine. Abide in me, and I abide in you, and you'll bear much fruit. That was John 15, and a, a very important part of that, I am the vine, you are the branches, gets overlooked a lot. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. But he also says, my father is the vine dresser. And this word, I don't know how it made it into our English Bibles, but it says if if someone is not bearing fruit, he will cut it off. Sounds like the Hebrews warning. 
Do you know what it doesn't mean cut off? It means he lifts it up. I don't know anything about grapes, but I, I have done a little learning on it. And apparently, uh, grapes don't do good on their own. No, they, they need a vine. The they lay on the ground and they don't bear fruit. It takes someone, it takes a vine dresser to lift them up. And that's exactly what God does for us. He lifts us up. That's why he said, Jesus says, I'm the vine, you are the branches, and God is the vine dresser because he lifts us up when we're feeling weak and having a hard time living this Christian life. God lifts us up and empowers us and gives us endurance because we all need endurance. And that's what God does. He gives us endurance. He gives us confidence. He gives us joy. Joy in what? The facts that we were looking at in Hebrews, which we're going to get an even closer look at because we're going to 1 Corinthians 15. Yeah, exactly. Because their joy is that the sacrifice was accepted. And we know it was accepted by what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15. This yes. is how we know it was it counted. Yes, so let's continue with the Easter message in 1 Corinthians 15, where we get a better look at this resurrection, this resurrection Sunday that we're talk about, because that's what Easter is. Easter Sunday is Resurrection Sunday, and Amen. it's spoken about actually the ramifications of Easter Resurrection Sunday are spoken about in Corinthians because he's saying that. The good news is, is that Christ was raised from the dead and he did go to the third heaven, just like we saw in Hebrews chapters 9 and 10. He did go up there and Paul is defending that idea in 1 Corinthians 15 because he goes on to say, but if there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. Moreover, we are even found to be false witnesses of God because we witness against God that he has raised Christ from the dead if the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless and you're still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have also perished. If we hoped in Christ in this life only, we are of all men to be pitied. I'm bummed. <laughs> But he has been raised from the dead. That's the good news. It does say that, but it he has, has been, been raised, raised from, from the, the dead. dead. Amen. Amen. And because he has been raised from the dead, we get the grand prize. Tell them what they won, Paul. Oh, yes, yes. 
even though we were sown perishable, even though we were born perishable, we are raised imperishable. And even though we were born in dishonor, we are raised in honor. And even though we were born weak, we were raised in power. Even though we were born just a natural body, we are raised as a spiritual body. In other words, because Christ was raised from the dead, because Hebrews tells us that he went into the third heaven and shed his blood on that altar, we get glorified like angelic bodies, just some super unimaginable great bodies do we get. It's, that's our reward. No more headaches, backaches. No more headaches, no more backaches, nothing but perfection. Way beyond just forgiven, we've been perfected. Yes, yes. We do not need that sticker any longer, huh? <laughs> oh, the Christians aren't perfect. They're just forgiven. Yes. Well, not according to Paul. He says you're perfect. That's right. In we're, Christ. We're going to be raised perfect, too. That is the good news of the gospel, that we're going to be raised perfect and we're going to reign on this planet forever and ever with perfect peace, perfect harmony, perfect joy, complete love, and nothing to get in the way of those emotions, nothing to cause us to feel anything but God flowing through us. His divine nature will rule this planet. There won't be any human nature. The child will be able to put his hand in the hole of a adder, a snake, the lion will lay down with the lamb. The bear will lay down with the lamb. All because they don't have that their nature. human nature, their, their bearish nature, their lioness nature. They've all got this divine nature in control. And there'll be laughter. There'll be no more weeping or tears. We will live forever in a state of bliss. Amen, Steve. So he goes on to say, or really rather where you left off, verse 20, but now Christ has been raised from the dead. That is a perfect passive indicative verb. Christ has been raised from the dead. What does perfect tense mean? Perfect tense means that it happened at a time and it never, ever needs repeating again. Passive means it was done for you. The ball hit Johnny, not Johnny hit the ball. It was done for you, and it never needs repeating again. Isn't that what the book of Hebrews was just pounding on? That idea... He is the Lamb of God that was slain once for all time. He is the Lamb of God who was slain once for the whole world. He is the Lamb of God that never needs to be sacrificed again. You never have to sacrifice anything again. You are holy and blameless 
in God's sight. Happy Easter. <laughs> Amen. It, isn't that amazing? It's perfect tense. He was resurrected once. It does not need to be repeated. Because he doesn't, if he has to be resurrected again, then he must have died again. And he doesn't need to die. He doesn't need to go through that a second time. No, and it's so cool how God knows exactly how to write it. He writes it in the perfect tense, never needing to be repeated again. He's making his point clear through the Greek language. That's how we can rejoice. It was a once and for all action that needs not repeating. Did you know that the English language doesn't really have an equivalent? No, it doesn't. Yeah. So we just have a past tense, kind of. That's why he did it in Greek. <laughs> the wisdom of God. Oh, how unsearchable are his ways. So when Adam all die, that was true. But so also in Christ, all are made alive, each in his own order. And that's another podcast for another time. But we just want you to, as Steve just said, have a wonderful, joyful Easter because it is finished. Amen. Father God, please allow us all to have a joyful Easter knowing that Jesus died so that we would be filled with joy and not filled with dread or condemnation or, or feeling bad about ourselves. We can feel good about ourselves because Jesus just so what would the word be? Loved us. Lo yeah, so full of love. He died for us. That was the joy set before him that allowed him to endure what he did. Yes. He loved us that much. Yes. So receive that love and have a good Easter. We love you guys. Good night. Good night. We love you.